Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, the hopeless romantic, super producer Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Thank you, Mike. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you. And a happy Valentine's Day to you, sir. Um, how are you approaching Valentine's Day? How you do you approach Valentine's Ooh. Day? As the only married Ooh. man on this podcast, I feel like i got to ask you. Oh, it's it's scary. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of pressure, but not... Um, my birthday is very near the date, so my wife likes to act like I don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day. I just want to celebrate your birthday. And it's like, okay, but we got it. We got to celebrate Valentine's Day. And this has been like going on year 14 of me trying to do something creative and do something for Valentine's Day. Like I asked her, do we want reservations, X, Y, and Z? But to get reservations, that means I have to step on my in-laws' uh, Valentine's Day plans and so we're probably just going to order food. It just with the two kids, it's like it's like a constant reminder that we did stuff on Valentine's Day in the past. <laughs> You've got sex receipts. <laughs> exactly. Like, human human social security card carrying sex receipts. Right. Like you've got living breathing proof that you have at least had sex with your wife twice and that's wonderful. We love that for you. Uh, we got a great what show about- for you. What? We got a great show for you guys today. Um, we have a sports-related Valentine's Day game we want to play. Wild yes. news about an American institution. Actually, two American institutions. Uh, and one incredibly difficult-to-answer question. But, Brandon, what were you going to ask? Well, I just, um, as a single king here, uh, representing this podcast, like, what does Valentine's Day mean to you Outside of, you know, the handing the cards and the candy out when you were in elementary school. Yeah, at this point, it usually means nothing other than on February 15th, discount candy is available. And that's always a great thing to keep an eye out for post-Halloween and post-Valentine's Day. So True true that. um, I have exchanged cards with our good friends, uh, Sean Rogers and Liz McNeil, since we were in college, uh, since I have been serially single for a long time they adopted me in their relationship as their valentine so i usually make sure they feel the love and then maybe take myself out to dinner get myself a little bit drunk see if i'm gonna get lucky okay go to the what's that fish bar or the fish taco restaurant around the fish it is actually fish bar so uh yeah so uh all those things uh play there I, i i am always curious with the validity we assign certain holidays. Valentine's Day seems like a holiday that got much more respect universally in our parents' generation because I don't think we were as inundated with other holidays that had become these made-up holidays throughout the calendar year. I put it out there on Twitter, uh, at Mike Golick Jr. For those in a relationship, do you expect to receive some kind of gift on Valentine's Day? I put it on a poll and 5,000 votes in, 84.9% say no. Wow. Brandon, to your point, I feel like that's a trap. Rob Hibbard actually tweeted, receive no, give yes, it's always a trap. 
Do you feel Mm. like when you're being told, oh, no, I don't need anything, that you still need to go and try and find at least some little show of affection? Like, it doesn't have to be big or showy, but it's just got to be something. Yeah, but I think the way my brain works is, like, if I hear you don't have to get anything, it's like, okay, how much into debt do I need to go? Like, I I understand (laughs) that those are the words being said, but, like, should I be looking at Tiffany's catalog? So Anne Shea uh, uh, Major t- tweeted in, kind of to your sentiment, her birthday is in February, so I usually tell him not to give me anything for Valentine's Day. If we do gifts, it's usually something simple like our favorite candy. See, I feel like having something like that that you both agree upon, that you can kind of make a little tradition that makes everybody feel loved, you remember that, that feels like a smart agreement to come into early. Like maybe if you set the tempo with something like that and you make it our thing, you got a fighting chance. Yes, I, I, I agree with that completely. A version of that for us is, this Valentine's Day ends the eating holidays. Like, you know, it starts, it starts in Thanksgiving and, you know, you just got the Christmas and new, like there's a bunch of things where you just go eat as the celebration. And that's one of those things too. Like it's so expensive sometimes eating. So like, it's like an excursion in itself. I don't know if you've been on a cruise, uh, but Mm. like if you, you know, if you, if you're dropping $400 on dinner, then that's a big night. Damn. That's a balling ass dinner. Hey, hey, hey. I ain't did that ever. So <laughs> at Dane Red tweeted in or no, excuse me, at Joe Bear. In the last thirteen months we moved across country, had a baby, bought a new car, and are eighteen days away from closing on our first house. We agreed that that uh that, that is birthday, Christmas, anniversary, and Valentine's gifts. That is the sign of a mature couple that has been together for a while, where you look yeah. around at the expenses going out and you're like, Oh no, we we got the rest of this, we're good. Yeah, I mean it got to the point in our household where we were just sharing the cards blank. It's like, oh, I got this, and I read it, and it, it reminds me of you. Here's the receipt, uh, but this is this is right. Like, this is you, right? That's not a see. That to me was always the way that I have enjoyed giving, or I should say, receiving affection is greeting cards. I have always loved them. I kind of collect mm. them hoarder style for any occasion that might pop up. Chris, you know, tweeted in that my wife is from the Midwest, so if I don't purchase a card on holidays, she will file for a divorce. That tracks. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But it's just a, I think it's a cheap way to celebrate the love. It's a cheap way to get candy intake. It's a cheap way to make people feel bad about themselves for, for not being in a relationship or being in the wrong relationship. It's just all systematic. Well, and I think that's why it's a holiday that's sort of fallen out of favor because with our generation and then Gen Z below us, we're all hyper aware of stuff that's trying to be sold to us by corporate America. It doesn't have that same fun shine to it with maybe the exception of Christmas. I feel like we all kind of just need it to combat the scaries and the darkness of winter. But once we get to Valentine's Day, which also in the sort of singles or situationship dating calendar is the official end of cuffing season would actually have been yesterday oh, on February 13th. Like yeah. you get together at the start of winter and then you make sure you break it off before Valentine's day. Yeah. I wonder how the apps do on, on that, on this special day. Like if there's like a bunch of random first date Valentine's dates that are like super insinuated that, you know, it's time to get to the nookie afterwards. I wonder what's worse. A first date on Valentine's day or getting proposed to on Valentine's Day. Ooh. Like of why all the places. Why is it proposed by it bad? 
Well, I just don't know if some people feel like that's corny. Like, obviously, I think oh, yeah. the if you were to do the most proposals per day, I would imagine Christmas Eve probably leads the league because you've got a natural reason to have family around. Usually you have all the people together that you might want to have for such a celebration. But I'd imagine yeah. Valentine's Day, just because the love connotation isn't far behind. And I know people don't like some you know, sometimes stuff like in-stadium proposals, so I didn't know where Valentine's Day fell on that. Yeah, that's interesting, Mike. I, I said I was going to stop oversharing on this podcast, but I lost my virginity on Valentine's Day. So, you know, it, it, it is about getting to it. <laughs> there we go. According to Brandon Newman, hit the apps this Valentine's Day if you're single and ready to mingle. And you, too, could get lucky. Brandon's got the receipts to prove it. Speaking of singles, last one before we get to the body of this show. Dane Red tweets in, I am single, but I fully expect to be treated tomorrow. My tradition is to turn up some uh, turn up some Motown, cook tortellini with vodka sauce, a little Caesar salad, cheesecake, and then I fall asleep watching About Time while polishing off the bottle of Cab I opened while cooking. Hashtag treat yourself. Hashtag manhood. Uh, Dane, let me tell you, that's the perfect date day for anyone. Single, yeah. in a relationship, start to finish, flawless victory. No notes. I think he's missing turning on a, a, a game system of some sort uh, at the beginning of that day because I feel like you know playing some video games with yourself, playing with yourself, if you will, might be a, a good, fun thing to do on that day. But that guy, that guy, has got something there. Like the, the, I, we, I was bought in before the cheesecake. That took it over the moon for me. Man, about time, criminally underrated movie. One of the what best. Is in- I, what is that? Um, it's a movie where, surprise, surprise, Rachel McAdams is the uh, main female love interest in the movie. It's about a man whose family can control, uh, to some extent, moving through time and about what they discover Ooh. along the way, the bonds of family and relationships. They do this something about Mary where they've got a band that plays in the movie that ends up becoming the music that you hear in the background of it, which I think is an underutilized tool in movies. It is, I think, one of the most underrated rom- uh, romantic comedies of the last however many years. It's more of a romance was, than a comedy on the sliding scale, but it's definitely a banger. It was uh, came out in 2013, just to let you know. Okay, so yeah, Marco, the, last, the last 10 years. And Marco Robri's in it. That's right! I forgot about that. It's it really is. If you have not seen it, phenomenal date movie. Openly wept, openly wept. Okay. So be prepared okay. to share some feelings with your either significant other or just yourself on the couch, depending on how you enjoy this. Or or lives. I, I realized just recently that uh, your what is it called? Your best friends or top friends? What is it in Instagram? Uh huh. Like I'm doing the the Stu Gatz. You're you're a close. Uh, you're close friends. Close friends, close friends. If you just get on there and just kind of get loose, get bucked, talk to people, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody slides into your DMs. I don't know how it works. Hey, man, we hope you all find love however it comes on the apps, the DMs, or whatever you've got IRL this Valentine's Day. Um, if you want to show us some love, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Brandon, we oh, you can also check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel, uh, the you. DraftKings channel, Gojo with Michael Look Jr. playlist. I got to make sure I get all that stuff in. I know I'm inconsistent with it. But anyway... 
Brandon, we do have a great show today. We are going to finish off the NFL season. We are coming off of Super Bowl Monday where none of us feel like doing a damn thing. We're all a little fatter than we went into last week and this weekend, and we pay the price for the fun that we had. We are going to finish off the NFL season with top five, bottom five, Super Bowl 57 edition, get the last bits of our Super Bowl takes out there in the ether, and we've also got a relationship advice segment for some of our favorite figures in sports that I want to play with you. Um, so, Brandon, <laughs> why, what? Sorry. You just said you wanted to play with me. So I was just being, being juvenile. Continue. All right, uh, Brandon, I'll give you dealer's choice. Do you want to start with top five, bottom five, or do you want to start with relationship advice? Ooh, I would have started with relationship advice, but let's let's uh, let's get the football out of the way. Well, uh, listen, who's to say there's not some football involved in relationship advice? Okay. But let's get to NFL top five, bottom five from Super Bowl weekend, Brandon. Um, we have done this every week throughout the season for the most part. With a few clever yeah. exceptions, uh, we tr- we did our best. Uh, the top five and bottom five things that happened in the NFL weekend. We have got one game, but it's the biggest game. Uh, we saw the Fox viewership numbers, the third most watched Super Bowl ever. Really big time stuff. So, Brandon, I took the top five. You took the bottom five. For anybody that's new here, we alternate order, starting with Brandon going first on the bottom five. So, Brandon, why don't we kick this thing off? What do you got? Okay, Mike. Top five, bottom five of specifically the Super Bowl. This is going to be controversial, but this is how I feel. Coming in at number five, defensive holding to call the Super Bowl. Okay. Eagles quarterback James Bradbury admittedly held Chiefs wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster on that critical third down play for the Kansas City Chiefs on their game-winning drive, making it so that Really, there was no chance for the Philadelphia Eagles to even have a, a drive that amounted to anything uh, that could help them come back and kick a field goal and take this game into overtime, X, Y, and Z. There's plenty of other bad things that happened, and some people would probably put that first, Mike. But I, I, I'll, as someone who just trusts the game and the refs and everyone makes some mistakes and you just got to live with the outcome every time, this is, this is uh, par for the course for this season in the NFL. Is this a turn for you? Because weren't you pro that play being called a penalty yesterday? Yes, but that's why it's at number five. Like everyone, I'm reading all the things, and everyone says that it shouldn't have stopped the, it shouldn't have decided the foot the uh, the Super Bowl. And I'm like, okay, like I'll, I'll, I'm. This is me throwing that play a bone. All right, that's fair. I respect that. Yeah. A man meeting people in the middle. That's community. We yes. love that around here. Um, Thank you. Speaking of that, Brandon, uh, number five on the top five for this weekend, I will go Super Bowl emotions. I think Ooh. that this game, we had a lot of outpouring of emotions from Nick Sirianni openly crying before the opening kickoff. Ooh. I know there's a lot of people that feel some type of way about Nick Sirianni and sometimes question his authenticity in certain spots. But Brandon, I don't know about you before a game like that, that you've worked your entire life to get to. We talked about so many of those other people that were part of the Eagles and Chiefs that had been to Super Bowls with the past version of those teams that had won. Nick Sirianni wasn't one of those guys. And so to get to the mountaintop like that in your second year, 
I'd have to imagine is pretty overwhelming. And so to kind of let it all out there, I mean, I'm a big crier. I know I didn't cry before the national championship game on the field, but when we were watching the hype video in the locker room, I absolutely shed a bunch of tears there and on the bus ride over. So I can understand where that comes from. You had that moment. You had Donna Kelsey, the mother of Jason and Travis Kelsey, after the game having the full range of emotions where you saw her go over and have a really joyful moment with Travis on the winning side. You saw her go over and shed some tears and a big long hug with Jason on the other side after he lost. It it was a lot. And I think for all of us to kind of get to see, hey, these people going through this are just people having to experience it the way that we probably would was pretty cool. Yeah, Mike, I I did love to see, especially just how emotional Nick Sirianni got before, but I also thought he lost the game in that moment. Uh, I don't know if you remember the the No Sean Moreno (laughs) crying during the national anthem. Oh, yes. Like, it's 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 too much of an emotional swing to actually be locked in. Like I feel like like that is that is letting the moment be bigger than it is. It's the it's the Sean McVay shitting the bed and that uh that Super Bowl against the Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I heard Chris Cody say he live bet the Chiefs right when he saw that moment happen. <laughs> I won't go that far, but That's I will I will say my thought process was always Never let them see because as soon as they saw that now in 2023, we all looked at that and said meme like we were the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme pointing at another meme being made, whether it was going to supplant no Sean Marino, whether it was going to supplant the crying Jordan face if things went wrong. Like we already had that put up there. I distinctly remember Brandon in like the fourth quarter of the game against Alabama when we're already been getting our ass kicked for three quarters getting to process my football mortality and feeling myself get emotional on the sideline. And I'm not against getting emotional, but I am against having those emotions weaponized against me by television networks and the internet. And so I was just like, you cannot let them see you slipping. Like I was not going to be the one that they showed as the sad sports center Notre Dame highlights the next day when they talked about this game. So Nick Sirianni, bolder man than me for putting it out there. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Big man takes a big man to cry. In public like that for Super Bowl. Uh, coming in at number four, bottom five, the start of spring football leagues. Mike, I know this is a hater take, uh, but the XFL starts on Saturday. Wow. And two, two months from then, the USFL comes in for its second season. And as someone who is jealous of all those players that continue to get a chance to extend their careers by playing in the spring football league, uh, as someone who know some former friends that are uh, playing in the XFL and and the USFL. I try to bite my tongue, but if I'm being serious, as a football fan, as a fan of the NFL, this deserves to be in my top in my bottom five. Like the end of the Super Bowl Why? means the beginning. Because it tests football fatigue in in the most real way and when it comes down to it, I think Americans just love college football and the NFL. And I think it's great for the storylines. Like, uh, who's it? Was it Turpin? The, he was the U, uh, USFX, uh, UF, USFL uh, most valuable player and then le- led to the Cowboys. Like, yes, I love the thought of us getting to see the replacements play in their own league and then make it their way up to the NFL. Same things with He Hate Me from the XFL from when we were growing up in in the 2000s, Mike. Shouts out to dude. Uh, what's his real name? I forgot, but he played for Louisville. All that being said, Mike, 
it's it's a sad it's a, when the spring football league start it's sad because the NFL is over and for that it's in the bottom five. Yeah, I mean, I'm partially seeing these guys get another opportunity to do it and to do it with some dignity. Like these leagues actually seem to have Absolutely. competent financial backing that gives them a good look at this. Whereas I played in the FXFL, which is an unmitigated disaster where I had to live in a Holiday Inn Express on Staten Island for two and a half months to go to practice in a yellow school bus. Like, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to not have to see anyone else go through that and to watch like the FX, the F, the XFL clips where these guys get to work out in real weight rooms, have real issue gear, the rocks out there who are on at practice. It makes me sleep a little more soundly at night knowing that they've got that experience as opposed to the one I had. Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree with you, Mike, but it's just what's the league minimum uh, for the, the NFL? Oh, for the NFL. 340000 no, it's way higher than that. Rookie minimum's got to be over half a mil right now, and I think vet minimum no. up in like the seven hundred thousands. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying league league minimum. I'm sorry, not just rookie. Like just average. Oh, the like league the league minimum in the NFL for a veteran player is, I believe, close to like three quarters of a million dollars. Not a veteran player, just like Brandon. But, I, but Brandon, that's what I'm saying is like if you come in as a rookie, the rookie minimum was four hundred and twenty thousand dollars when I was a rookie in two thousand thirteen. Okay. So I'd imagine yes. now it's over half a million dollars. Okay, okay, okay. This is this is what I'm trying to get at. Was I a four hundred and twenty thousand dollar a year football player? Probably not. Was I an eighty thousand dollar a year football player? I think so. I got a, I got an offer for the Arena Football League. I, I didn't take it because I did. I thought it was. I, I thought it was going to be shenanigans, and I didn't think it would get me to the NFL. And I just like I, let me start working in television and making no money now uh, instead of putting it off trying to play in the AFL. But like I love the fact that the XFL and the, and the USFL gives different financial opportunities for those people that like aren't good enough to be getting making $420,000 minimum. So like that's I do enjoy these leagues, but the fact that they're actually going to be on TV just means f- f- the NFL's gone. All right, you know what? I can understand it from that point of missing the NFL as the nexus for this one here. Um Brandon number 4 on my top 5, Fletcher Cox's pregame outfit. Did you see Ooh. this masterpiece? Walking into that the game, blouse. metallic silver suit with a gray top underneath that looked like a like a cami almost. He looked like someone's aunt going to church. Yes, it, it was very flowy and a lot of polyester. Like I would love to see that shirt under the jacket because it didn't seem yes. like it looked more of a tube top than a than an actual or a blouse. Like I said before, than an actual t shirt. And you know what? To see a big man attack fashion in a way that's usually only reserved for guys Devonta Smith's size is inspiring, to say the least. What Fletcher Cox did was push big man fashion forward into a place where it desperately needed to go in the year of our Lord 2023. So I thank him for his service. Yeah, I was. Did we see a bunch of Chiefs players out there? In their uh, in their fancy suits, uh, doing pregame interviews, like there was something about the game in in retrospect, and how many how much everyone was talking about how much the Eagles were just a better team. That was like this is what happens in these Super Bowls, especially the Arizona ones. Yeah, the Arizona. I, I, I saw it. Uh, Kevin Clark at the Ringer famously tweeted that the Seattle Seahawks have never played a normal football game, and I saw updated that tweet yesterday with this goes also for Arizona Super Bowls. So you're absolutely right. Love that. Love that. Okay, uh, moving on. Coming in number three in the bottom five, Mike. As much as I love Rihanna's halftime performance, and I did, 
Rihanna's halftime performance had more viewers than the actual Super Bowl. So this means during that halftime performance, 118.7 million people were watching. And during the regular football game, quarters 1, 2, 3, and 4, 1,013, or excuse me, 113 million, excuse me, 113 million people were watching. Mike, this is the last football game. I know Rihanna is is wanted. I know people want a concert. I know people want a tour. I know people want an album, things that they probably aren't likely to get thanks to the reveal that Rihanna had. But Mike, I'm a little bit disgusted and offended that the halftime performance drew more audience than the actual football game. One of the best football games we've ever seen. Why does that disgust you? This is a reminder that there's levels to this shit. I know there's levels to this shit, Mike, but the fact that Rihanna's level of just breathing in her Barbados air, or wherever she is currently, is more important than Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, like that those that, that matchup. What was it 562 I mean, points total? Like, it, listen, I I was disappointed. I was proud of Rihanna, and I'm thankful that everyone watched. But a little little hurt that people watch less football. I think this is like when we always say in the Olympics they should put one regular person in the event, so you see how difficult yes. the event is for a lot of people. I think putting a legitimate international superstar in the middle spot of these events is a good reminder for all of us that spend our year so far up sports ass to remember that most of the world does not care about these things nearly as much yeah. as we do. And for a large section of the population, this was a Rihanna concert surrounded by men in costumes running into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was Cara Devine, Cara Devine, is that her name? You know, the actress? Mm-hmm. She wore a shirt that said, uh, Rihanna concert interrupted by a football game. Whatever. Or yeah, like, I mean, know, spot like, the lie. Spot yeah. the lie. Uh, and it, but speaking of that, uh, number three on my list, Brandon, was the musical acts. Um, <laughs> Rihanna, Chris Stapleton, and Babyface uh, all performed. Yes. And I saw a tweet that I didn't feel like fact-checking before now, but I will right now, that I didn't realize is that Babyface and Andy Reid are... The same age. What? Babyface is 63 years old. Andy Reid is 64 years old. And I don't know why I was blown away by that. What do you mean you don't know why? It's because Babyface looks like he's in his 40s still. Like, And, I, and not that Andy well, Reid like looks a black, like an old thing. man outside of his walrus mustache. What would you say? I said that feels like a black don't crack thing. Yes, but also just it, it feels like a, a, a cheeseburger intake thing. And I don't want to get into body shape. Wow. As soon as you find out a little fact check, as soon as you find out a little uh, a factoid about this, you got to look at people's diets. What? Brandon, we talked about this. What? Red meat? Can't, I'm telling you, red meat got to age you a little bit more than whatever baby face is eating. Do you think he's eating babies' faces? I, I would hope not. Hopefully that is not what he is named for. I would imagine it's for having the baby face and not consuming them, but I don't want to pretend to know anything or assume everything. I will say, speaking of large excellence, Chris Stapleton, my God, just wailing away up there. A man alone with his guitar was 
a phenomenal way to start the day. Chris Stapleton, by the way, as we talk about Valentine's Day, ruins love yeah. for every person that goes to see him in concert. His wife is a part of the band that he travels around with and is a phenomenal singer. And during the concert, as many acts do, go around and introduce everybody that's a part of the band. And he always saves his wife for last. And it is this beautiful ode to the woman that he loves. And I watch mm. in the crowd every woman simultaneously turn to the man that they are with and utter some version of, why don't you ever talk about me like that in front of our friends? Mm. I, I Okay, shout out to him because it did feel like he was just alone in there with his guitar. I saw everyone leave the stadium once he really started uh, with the Star Spangled Banner. But, or is it the National Anthem? National Anthem. Well, I mean, the National Thank Anthem you. is the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, word. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... How how tired is his wife of hearing that though? Like, let's be real. Like you you've been to you've been to a set before, and you realize like Darius Rucker is tired of singing the same song over and over again. Like I, I feel like that's a little bit of old hat at this point. In time. I you know what? That's a fair point. I wonder because I, I've only seen him live once. I wonder if he mixes it up at all. Maybe some nights is a little quicker than others. Maybe he leans in when they've been you know having a little bit of trouble behind the scenes, been fighting a little bit on the road, and really has to ham it up. I'm not sure. Either way, from start to finish, the musical act in the Super Bowl I thought kicked ass yes yes they did Mike yes they did uh you know what else that gets a kick in the ass uh Jackson Mahomes uh coming in at number three for me two two bottom okay excuse me two Jackson Mahomes famously was told to uh chill a little bit before the season started when it comes to TikToks and doing things I believe it was a preseason game where they were at the uh, the Washington Commanders, and uh, I think Sean Taylor was being uh, like immortalized, that, remembered. That was last season where he was on the Sean Taylor uh, number on the field heart, yes. at the Washington game. Yeah, that was a 2021 okay. game, but yes, point still stands. Okay. Well, it, it and then obviously Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany, also famously get, was, was told basically to – you know, stop making headlines on social media with with antics around the game, right? And we didn't hear from Jackson Mahomes pretty much this entire season, which was insane considering that he and Juju Smith-Schuster was in the same area code. Mm. You know, we figured there'd be a lot of tandem TikToks coming. And after the game, Patrick Mahomes getting interviewed, and out of nowhere, like the dancing robot from the Chappelle show, in comes Jackson Mahomes trying to, hit a little thing, fake fake look on his cell phone, stopping and getting to the edit of the TikTok immediately while he's just sitting in the background while Patrick Mahomes is getting interviewed by NFL Network. And it was it was a tough look. It's a tough look, tough look for Jackson. Hell of a way to end the entire uh, season in a time where he had been quiet the entire time. I, I just thought I thought I thought it was bad. I thought it was bad. Yeah, I think in general, people went a little bit overboard on the hate for Patrick Mahomes' family. Like, it got a little weird. But in that moment, it was just like, all right, man, come on. Like, this, like, Pat's just done this unbelievable thing. Like, for it to be that timing, and I'm not even saying it's intentional. I'm just saying it was unfortunate. Yeah, it was bad timing. I, 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 I highly doubt if that kid has malicious bones in his body and is really trying to F things up. He's just. You know, wrong place, wrong time. A lot. You hate to see it. Um, number two, Brandon, for me, corn dog. Did you see the video of Peter King 
interviewing Andy Reid that was circulating around from after the Super Bowl win, talking about that play to, uh, I believe it was Sky, which, I forget which one it was, if it was to Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony down by the goal line when they scored. Did you see that video or no? No. So in the video, Peter King is asking him about that play, and Andy Reid said, I'll give you, I'll give you the name for it. And he said, it's corndog. And you just thought Peter King's entire worldview, like he just got told that every holiday he believed in wasn't real. <laughs> the aliens have been here and were his parents. Like all the above was flabbergasted. And as Andy Reid explained, who doesn't love a good corndog with mustard and ketchup? I, again, who? Who among us? Like, and Brandon, I don't know if that's the actual play name or not. Like we know and see yes, a lot see. of these things where – a lot of the play names can be really involved. They have different tags on them. College, you know, systems that we played in in college were a lot simpler. We would have one-word code names for when we were trying to go fast for things. You know, we called plays Utah and Georgia and Oregon, and, you know, you would just have tags to know which direction that they were going in. But I truly want to believe, I don't care if it's true or not, I want to believe in a world where Andy Reid said, I know how to get them to remember this awesome play. We're going to call it corndog because a corndog is an objectively excellent way. I'd say probably a top three way to consume a hot dog, and it might not be two or three. Yeah, I think it might be number one, Mike, especially uh, pancakes on a stick. Oh, completely underrated. The the breakfast version of the corndog. This is coming just recently within the last calendar month. My wife mistakenly thought that my favorite food was a corn dog. And I was like, that is egregious. How dare you? But I do love some fair food. Uh, and I think that's a perfectly named play for that, Mike. Because if you remember, it's a hot dog, right? Like, let's call it, you know, Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony. It's in motion, right? It's moving around. And that's how it's get its deliciousness. Right, a little roll around, get the the cornmeal kind of, and and it takes its time. Oh, only to only to be left wide open and walk in in a very delicious, uh, in a very delicious, untouched manner. Like it, it feels like a corn dog. Like I like that name, corn dog. Very fitting for the action on the play. Very fitting yes. for the sweet king in red that runs that team. Uh, and everyone just needs to accept it that we are living in an age where the most dominant force in NFL play calling, the most dominant force maybe in the league, quarterback and coach tandem, I, I would hope share a mutual affinity for corn dogs. We'll have to ask Patrick Mahomes at a later date to get confirmation on that. Philly special back in the day. Uh, it has something I'm bet it has something to do with the Amish and, and, and hot dogs. Okay, here's bottom five for me, Mike. The number one worst thing that happened during that Super Bowl. Was Tahoma 31. Mm, talk about it. Tahoma 31, the hybrid grass in State Farm Stadium, uh, on the Super Bowl field. I said that they had a big, I said that the field had a bigger impact than the officiating and the refs did. I feel vindicated and validated in all the quotes that are coming out from players on both sides of the ball that said the grass was terrible, right? So here's, here's uh, Hassan Reddick. I'm not going to lie, it was the worst field I've ever played on. It was very disappointing. It's the NFL. You would think it would be better so we could get some better play out there, but it is what it is. I don't know. Maybe the league will look at it and tell Arizona they need to step their stuff up. Jordan Mailata says he is no grass expert, but it was definitely subpar. He compared it, he compared it to 
playing on a water park said that the offensive line and the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs often discussed how terrible the grass was during timeouts. And there's a long list of other players that said that it was some of the worst grass that they've ever played on and some of the best grass that they played on is grass that isn't rolled in uh, like an you know fr- from nowhere. So I feel vindicated and validated that this grass was such an obstacle for the players actually on the field. But as Nick Sirianni said, it's an even playing field. They both had to deal with it. Yeah, I guess that's the thing I always go back to is both sides said and understood, hey, this grass is right shit, and that's an embarrassment for the NFL. It's wild that this was grass that apparently they spent like eight hundred grand on and had been working on since 2006. They had spent a ton of time and energy developing this grass, but to your point, when you roll it in and out there like that, I'd imagine in large part because, like with a lot of other NFL stadiums that have gone to turf or go through extraordinary measures like this, it's usually be done because you want to do other things in that stadium. Other things like concerts and other events that can make you money, I'd imagine, because that's the bottom line for a lot of these owners. It is wild that we haven't figured out a better solution to this. That being said, the one reason, Brandon, that I don't feel like anything is going to really come of this all that much is because sort of going opposite the point that Hassan Reddick made – This was a Super Bowl that everyone looked at as largely incredible, that we thought was really played well, that we thought featured great back-and-forth action. And so it's not going to be like when the overtime rules got changed after the Bills and Chiefs game because we felt like we got shortchanged on providing us another opportunity to see one of these great quarterbacks. We look at this game and we go, man, we saw otherworldly performances from both of these quarterbacks. And as a general public, when you couple that with, hey – The Chiefs' offensive line ended up being a big story with how well they did in this game against the Philadelphia D-line. You could wonder, did that Philadelphia very fast upfield pass rush maybe get a little heat taken off the fastball because of that turf? Who's to say? But I just feel like all those factors are really going to work against something getting done, even though it absolutely should be. Like We should not be fielding these complaints from players playing in the biggest game that the sports has to offer. That's sad and that's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing and I think... I don't know what it is to learn before. Maybe have somebody, you know, play a quick game on the grass before the the best athletes in the world go do it. Yeah, I, I, there's again, I'm no I'm no grass expert. I'll leave that to the grass experts, but the grass experts need to do a better job of being experts at grass. That's all I'll say about that. Sure. Uh Brandon number 1 is an expert in the art of being himself at all times. Number one in the top five NFL things from Super Bowl 57, my dad. In addition to being incredibly <laughs> proud that my dad in back-to-back years has gotten to call the, you know, be a part of the call for the biggest game in football with Westwood One. He's gotten to work sidelines for the last two years. They are the first two Super Bowls he has ever attended. My dad for years, because Back then, a lot of those weren't ABC properties when he worked at ESPN on the morning show, and they had to be back for the show Monday, always left, but the former player in him who had never played in a Super Bowl always was stubbornly going to avoid this because if he didn't play in it as a player, he wasn't going to then attend it as a fan or a member of the media. Then he realized it's pretty cool getting to be involved in all this, but the reason he is getting the number one spot is in addition to that, is because of a call he made at halftime. So we were sitting around at home, me and my whole family, getting ready to watch Rihanna. And we were all laughing at the irony that my dad, probably the one who would know the fewest Rihanna songs of our entire family, was going to be down on the field during halftime, close enough to send us videos, see those dancers that Brandon, you said, were dressed like sperm the other day. All the above. 
and calls my mom before halftime because, of course, why wouldn't my dad in the middle of this football game be checking in with my mom? Then says, my mom says, are you getting ready to watch the halftime show? And he says, no, I'm starving and I can't find any food. I should have packed snacks. She'll be out there for a while. Like, never not on brand. My father constantly searching for his next meal, even as he is getting ready to witness one of the most talked about and looked forward to concerts of I don't know how long. I I applaud him, Mike. I, I was thinking that he'd be a little annoyed getting bounced around by the, the dancing sperm, but I should have known. Should have known. It's eating time. If everyone's here watching this, that means the lines are shorter somewhere else. Yeah, we thought, you know, again, you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Dad's got to learn now two Super Bowls in, doing something new. So you're learning the ebbs and flows. Got to bring some snackies next time. I'm sure mom will pack Mm. him a lunch so that next year, whoever is performing at halftime will get his full undivided attention, which Rihanna still did. We still got some great pictures. He tried to do his best version of a dad filming at a sporting event. So there was a little bit of a herky-jerky camera motion. But all in all, very great showing uh, for Mike Golick Sr. uh, at at Gojo Show on Twitter if we missed anything from Super Bowl weekend in the last top five, bottom five of the year. I have to pat myself on the back. While I, and maybe I was inspired by you patting your father on the back, Mike. But when Stormy was on and we talked about Gatorade bath odds. Oh, yeah. She looked at me like I had three heads when I said it's going to be purple. Mm-mm-mm. That shit was purple. Man, ye of little faith, Stormy. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay, we can move on now. This man, this man knows his colors, knows his beverages. <laughs> we want some of that purple stuff. Give me a great drink. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to Seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25GOJO. Brandon, I want to play this game with you quick because in addition to the Super Bowl, we have to start getting back out into the wild to some other stories we spent all last week 
cutting up and talking about everything surrounding this game. We talked about it at nauseum yesterday. We hit a lot of it in the top five. There's been some things that we didn't get to, and since it's Valentine's Day, I wanted to ask you for a little bit of relationship advice. I have three people that have submitted questions about their relationship, and I want you to give the advice and see if you can guess who is the person asking about this? Who is the person being discussed in this question? So are you ready to play okay. this game? As ready as I am, will ever be. All right. Let's start off with D from the West Coast. This is D. I've been in this relationship for almost nine years now, but I've just never felt truly appreciated. We've been together since college, and it seems like the spark just isn't there anymore if it ever was. We've been through a lot together, including a move, some scandalous emails, and multiple relationship coaches. I'm fed up and not sure what to do now, but I'm sick and tired of being walked all over. Should I stay or should I go? Brandon, first off, Damn, what Mike. would you, what would your advice be to this person? Oh, you definitely got to go. You definitely got to jump. You got to jump ship because uh, I was trying to find a euphemism that fit best there. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. You got to go because the grass is greener on the other side. And if it's not, and it ends up being, uh, you know, like Tahoma 31, you know, now, you know, now, you know, and you can count your blessings because with every downside, there's a bunch of, I I don't know, fuck rainbows. I don't know. I'm bad. This is a bad first one, but continue. All right, Brandon, I agree that this person should go. Did you have any guess of who this person is asking this question? I thought Dak at the beginning, but then you said that we've gone through a move together, and I was like, oh, maybe Derek Carr. But he's already on his way out. What do you think? What, do am, you, I, am do I you, hot is that, is that your guess? You have to give a guess. I'm not going to give you the... Uh, Derek Carr is my final answer. You are correct. This is Derek yes. Carr. Derek Carr, who has been through a move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Derek Carr, who played for six different head coaches in his time with the Raiders. And Derek Carr, who had to, I think, admirably lead during the season where they had everything go on off the field with Henry Ruggs, the John Gruden emails that ended up ending his career there, uh, who now said last week that he will not waive his no-trade clause and reportedly will not allow the team to trade him to the Saints or anyone else and is essentially going to make them release him so he could become a free agent, saying, I'm not going to let you get anything in return after all of this incredible petty move from Derek Carr. And at this point, part of me respects it. It's never really seemed like they've loved him there, no matter who's been at the helm for that team. And all Derek Carr has done is, I think, played above average quarterback for that team for a long time now, probably been underrated more often than not. Uh, Quick addendum. Prayed his way to playing above subpar quarterback uh, for the for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. He wanted to go down with the ship with that team. The least they can do for him is let him get out of there without any uh, pretty red tape, and he can uh, has to evaluate his status by you know getting taken for two third rounders. Like no, this is this is the right way. And by the way, uh, we'd imagine this is going to come to a head this week. Um, or no, sorry. Um, oh no. Yeah. That should be coming to a head. 
That article was written February 12th. That should be coming to a head this week. If Derek Carr is on the Raiders roster come Wednesday of this week, so February 15th, his $32.9 million salary for next year becomes fully guaranteed, as does $7.5 million of his $41.9 million salary for 2024. If they cut him before then, the Raiders will be off the hook for $40.4 million, and they could take a $5.6 million salary cap hit while freeing up almost $30 million in cap space. So they're going to get some kickback, not in the form of anything else. I would imagine if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, there's a pretty fair chance that this news is coming out around the time you're listening to it. So uh, I hope Derek Carr finds greener pastures. I don't think that green is going to be in New York since they've got eyes for someone else, but we'll see how this goes. Brandon, are you ready? Ready for our next relationship question? Yes, Mike. All right. This is a next question is A from New York. Okay. So after a brief engagement, I'm ready to put myself back out there. I've gotten really into star charts and I think I'm finally able to receive love. My dating history is all over the place. I've dated the cool Cali girl, older women, a few basics, and even gone after the super religious type. But none of them have really worked out. For what it's worth, I think I'm more spiritual than religious anyway. I started working with this new guy and he says he's got someone he thinks he can set me up with. Seems a little bit out of my league, both in looks and accomplishments, and certainly has some baggage. And the last time I went after someone like this, she flaked and moved to Minnesota. Should I go for it? Mike, who is that person? Well, first off, that should, I, should they go uh, for it, Brandon? I know. I know this was... Okay. Um, no. Ooh. No, they should not. So who do you think it is? I want to say Aaron Rodgers, but you said New York, and also the thing that he's going to go to is is prettier. Like I, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers had like nice, suitable options. Like who was it? So it is Aaron Rodgers. I'm playing a little bit fast and loose with this because it's about Aaron Rodgers, written from the perspective of the Jets. Oh, okay. The Jets who? Oh, so are, the Jets. The Jets are trying to get uh, the new pretty. Ah. Exactly. I know this would have worked better if I'd have gone with the genders reversed because I wanted to say had jaded dated a few Chads in honor of Chad Pennington. Um, you know, you've got Zach Wilson like who just came over, uh, Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez from back in the day, and uh, of course the homage to Brett Favre who came out of retirement to play yes. for the Jets and then retired again before going to Minnesota. So uh, someone who, I, in a very similar situation that Aaron Rodgers has somehow found himself in now against all odds, despite I'm sure coming into the league not wanting to emulate the guy that was will-they-won't-they-ing the Green Bay Packers when he was a rookie. Listen, I think I got too caught up on the creativity of the people that they had been with. I was thinking about Aaron Rodgers and going through his Rolodex of girlfriends, and I was like, oh my gosh, like who's he said, who's the mid girls? Uh, but uh, yes, I think with that information, Mike, I think the Jets should do it. Oh, listen, if it's actually realistic, and the funniest part to me is the ode to Nathaniel Hackett. Like, and now, I don't know if you saw, the the New York Jets have also hired former Tennessee Titans coordinator Todd Downing. And I laughed because on ESPN.com, the headline for this was the um, 
The Jets add a coach with Carr and Tannehill ties. Like the Jets are just hiring coaches for their proximity to quarterbacks. They're treating this like recruiting big-time college basketball recruits where you're hiring their aunts and uncles in hopes that that will sway the player to come to you. And it's hilarious to think about what if an NFL franchise did just decide to operate this way. Hell, it seems like the players are. Like, you're not telling me that Aaron Rodgers hurt Nathaniel Hackett got hired over the Jets, and he's like, hmm, like, that's that's a good friend of mine. I miss talking to him. I I mean, I think the Broncos thought that last year, and look how that worked out for them in a year where Aaron oh, Rodgers yeah. lost Devontae Adams. So, I, 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 I mean, if you're from the Jet side there, you absolutely are praying to every god that will listen that the defense you had last year gets a quarterback on the other side that can actually go and make something happen with all those young weapons that you've got on offense. It would be freak show stuff, and we'll see what happens when Aaron Rodgers comes out on the other side of his four-day darkness drug trip. Uh, I will be fascinated to hear the answer. I, I know what I'm saying is the Jets don't have an option right now. No. So that they, have, they don't have anyone. So, yes. Swing for the stars, shoot for the stars, swing for the fences. There you go. Yeah, pray uh, pray to any god that will listen. Uh, Brandon, here's one more. It's M from Dallas. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So I've started talking to a guy, and he seems great. Deep thinker, philanthropic, and experienced. We just met, but I'm really hoping this works out. However, he keeps saying he doesn't want to put a label on things. He says all his past relationships have gone downhill once you put a label and that kind of pressure on everyone too soon. I'm not sure I believe him, especially after I used his computer the other day and found some pretty concerning things in his browser history. Should I push to make this something long-term or just enjoy the fling? All right, let me let me put on my relationship advice hat. You got to enjoy the fling while it lasts, okay? Just go ahead and, and, and write it out. Uh, if they're not committal to you, then be not committal to them. Like, here's your opportunity to see what else is out there. Have your what sounds like an F buddy um, or best friend. I don't want to get into, you know, how involved these people are. But it's okay to have someone while you're looking. Man, that's a bar right there. Finish, finish strong, Brandon. Uh, do you have any idea who the person in question is here? Uh, M from Dallas. Is that what you said? Yep. M from Dallas. <gasps> is it Mike McCarthy? No. So this one's a little bit off the beaten path. Different sport. <gasps> Ooh. Oh. Uh, M. No, is it? No, who's not getting so? Who's not getting committed to? This is about Kyrie Irving. M from Dallas oh would be Mark gosh. Cuban. Uh, after uh, the report from Tim McMahon that Kyrie Irving made a request during his Monday news conference to ask reporters in Dallas to not ask him about his future beyond this season. When the Mavericks traded for Irving, despite not having any assurances he would remain with the franchise, Irving and the Mavs agreed to not discuss a potential contract extension until after the playoffs, and Irving made it clear Monday that he doesn't intend to talk about the subject publicly for the remainder of the season, saying, quote, it puts unwarranted distractions on us and our team. I've dealt with that before. It's emotionally draining to ask questions like, what's the long term? What's the long term? And Brandon... This is where I completely agree with you here. Dallas, you should be just fine with the fling. Try and see what you can get this season. And then remember, past is somewhat predictive, and this usually doesn't work out well long term. Mike, this sounds like my theory about him going to the Lakers. 
is valid. Oh, it's okay. It's okay to have something while you're looking. Well, I, well, that's for the that's for Mark Cuban in the, in the King uh, Kings in the in the Mavs. Uh, but the fact that he doesn't even want to talk about long term in Dallas makes me think that he is definitely like whatever Kyrie Irving is to Mark Cuban, the Mavericks are to Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think they both kind of recognize this situation for what it is. That's at least what this tells me if both sides are agreeing to that is, hey, we kind of want to see some proof. Like, what is this going to look like? How are you going to gel with Luka Doncic especially because he's the center of your team? He's the actual star that you want to have there and keep there long term. You're doing these things largely to show him, hey, we're a serious franchise and we can get you a running mate to help you make a deep run here at some point so it's not just you in the postseason. But uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Kyrie's commitment issues are about the only time I've been able to relate to him about anything lately. So... uh, (laughs) That is relationship advice here on the podcast uh, at Gojo Show on Twitter. If you've got any other relationship questions you want asked on behalf of your favorite athlete or franchise. Brandon, time to get to the real important question of this day of love. Do you know what time it is? The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I do, Mike, but it's just going to it's gonna sit with me how bad I butchered that, that advice segment. It's like I've been in a relationship for a long time. Um, but nevertheless... Let's get into the best. Better than the rest. And the third. And the third. I heard you good with them soft lips. Yeah, you know word of mouth. The square root of 69 is eight something, right? Cause I'm just trying to work it out. Ah, good weed, white wine. I come alive in the nighttime. Okay, where we go? Only thing we have on is the radio. Let it play. Say you gotta leave, but I know you wanna stay. You just waiting for that traffic jam to finish, girl. Things we can. 20 minutes, girl. Say my name, say my name. Wear it out. It's getting hot. Crack a window, air it out. I can get you through a mighty long day. As soon as you go, the text that i is gonna say, oh, this, that, and the third. And the third. Oh, this, that. And the third. And the third. Wow, giving the people the Drake appearance in the halftime show they didn't get this weekend. I figured if anyone was going to be up to the task, it was going to be you, Brandon.
Oh, man. Up to the task is here or there, but I, I did have an opportunity to rap Drake and think about Rihanna at the same time. So, yes. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Or in this case, won't she do it? Uh, if you enjoyed him doing it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us that review. Tell Brandon how hard he balled, uh, giving the halftime performance appearance that some people were looking for. Brandon, let's get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day on and send the people off uh, to the romantic Valentine's Day getaway. Someone robbed the Wienermobile. Mm-mm-mm. Ugh. Unbelievable headline. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, an American institution for years and years and years, experienced a theft the other day in Las Vegas. The the catalytic converter was stolen from the Wienermobile in the parking lot of a Las Vegas hotel, KLAS Channel 8 reported. The 27-foot-long vehicle was in Vegas as part of a Super Bowl promotion for the Super Bowl 58 coming up next year. The crew driving around the vehicle knew something was wrong when they couldn't get it started, and it was towed to an auto shop where it was discovered the converter got uh, got stolen. Workers at the auto shop were able to make a temporary repair so the vehicle could get back on the road. The Wienermobile is one of six currently owned by Oscar Mayer that toured the U.S. Catalytic converters being stolen, huge problem in the U.S. right now, according to the National Insurance Crime Bureau. There were 14,443 stolen in 2020, a 325% increase in a single year. Um, Brandon, what a sad state of affairs we found ourselves in. Is nothing sacred anymore would be my question. I think this is a... It's time to blame America. This is time to blame TikTok. Uh, this is time to all the different things, the the too, too woke of a halftime show, like all those different tropes. I'm throwing them at this. What do you mean, Oscar Mayer Wiener? Like, did, did, the, did the Pope get his hat stolen too? Like, this is a travesty. I just thought there were certain things that were sort of off limits. I think part of the problem here, Brandon, is... In this day and age where so many things have moved online and between NFTs and cryptocurrency and the metaverse, it's easy to have and create so many different beautiful things online with more ease. I can't imagine how hard it is to make a fucking hot dog car. And I don't feel like people appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into making this. If you haven't ever seen the Wienermobile in person, awe-inspiring. Brandon, I remember like it was yesterday, rushing with a bunch of our classmates over to the Martin side door in South Bend, Indiana to go see the Wienermobile that was on tour over there. It was electric. It's a core memory of mine. Last two times I saw the Wienermobile. One was actually in Muncie, Indiana. And it was just driving on the road, Mike. It was like one of those spottings where you just like see it out and about, like it's clearly going somewhere. And you get to see it for the vehicle that it is and the beauty that it is, right? And then the last other time was on the highway, uh, probably in between, in route to Notre Dame from Louisville. And... I gave the 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 horn sign. Oh, got got a nice fun beep, oh, man. and I, I it, it's it's I felt like a a child all over again. Like I don't remember back in the day. Like I know we talked about Discovery Zone and stuff, but there's not many staples out there in the wild like actual Bigfoot. Like like no, I saw it. I've seen the Weenie Mobile. It's an endangered species. The people who were yeah. part of this crime should be prosecuted as if they attacked an animal that's an endangered species. Because you're absolutely right. Maybe it's more nostalgic for us because we grew up in a time and a place where seeing something as obscure as a driving wiener on the highway 
could absolutely light you up in the way that few other things can. I just thought some things were sacred. My like, Remember back in 2020 when all the protests were going on and all those people in Atlanta stopped everyone from going in and looting the Waffle House there because they realized that some things were sacred and that there was going yes. too far even in that moment? I thought the Wienermobile fell under that same category and apparently I was sadly mistaken. So... Please, well, there's only six left. Please don't rob the Wienermobiles because we might lose them. And then what? A generation of kids grows up without ever seeing a hot dog on the highway. You don't want that. I, I, 100%, Mike, I, I agree with you. I feel like the Cadillac converter is probably the only thing you can steal from a Wienermobile without getting caught because very bold colors on that thing. Like if you end up gutting that thing, it's a very, I imagine it'll be easy to catch that person. Robbing the Wienermobile is like all those people that robbed, um, Eddie Murphy uh, at the beginning of Coming to America, walking around the neighborhood wearing his furs and chains. Uh, yes. Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, the video made the rounds yesterday on the internet of what I believe was in a foreign country, a group of workers going into the house to remove what they thought was one snake in the ceiling of this house, only to find as more of the wall got torn away that it was a bushel of snakes lodged inside the wall of this house. Understandably, the internet cried out to burn the house down, leave it, the house belongs to the snakes. My question for you is, Brandon, is that the worst place that you could find snakes? Like, where is the worst place to encounter an infestation of snakes? Snakes on a plane, snakes in the house, snakes on a boat. I, I, to me, Brandon, the place that haunts me the most would be a snake in the toilet. Like, I know it's a tale as old mm. as time, but most yeah. horror movies that work well attack something that's near and dear to us, right? That's why all the Freddy Krueger movies are about attacking you in your sleep, because that's supposed to be a safe place for you. As Eric Cartman right. once said, toilet time's the last bastion of American freedom, and if a snake came up and bit my ass while I was going in to go to the bathroom... I don't know if I would ever know peace again as long as I live. So that to me is worst case scenario. <laughs> Pee peace is so important too, Mike. Uh, I feel like two places jump out to me, especially with that that um, amount of snakes. Now the video that we're talking about, if you haven't seen it, we're talking anaconda, python size, like Mowgli from the Jungle Book type of like snake action, like real scary ish, right? So, and you said it's called a what? What a snakes? A bushel? I a just called them a bushel because it sort okay. of resembled your tangled up earbuds inside yes. of a backpack. Yes. Okay, I like that. Ooh, number three uh, for snakes. Uh, but <laughs> the two that I thought of were my underwear drawer, Mike. Oh. Like, like somewhere that you don't look into all the time, and you just kind of blindly reach in. Like, if there was a multitude of snakes in there. Whew. Like, because what what are the drawer are they in? Like, that just seems yeah. like very difficult. But then also, the vehicle, a car. Oh, like I don't know if you've ever experienced like a random spider or trying to get a fly out or like something that's actually menacing or bee and you can't find that that some bitch. Like cars, I know snakes on the plane. Samuel Jackson made it popular. Snakes in a car, I like talking about like giving the car away. Like you have to sell that for the low. That is true, though, and something that you have to use often like that to the point of toilet, underwear, drawer, car is yeah. that's something you use every day. And so now you're going to have to think twice about that for the rest of your life, because if you've got a snake in there once, who's to say that thing can't get back in there again? 
hey, in the backpack, that was a good one by you, Mike. Yeah. Because that that freaked some kids out. Uh, yeah, it just ugh. haunting stuff there. I like snakes, but pretty high up on the list of shit I don't want to encounter almost anywhere. But are you afraid of snakes? I have a healthy fear of snakes, right? Like I have the same fear of snakes that I would have of playing LeBron James in pickup. Like I understand how bad this thing can hurt me, even if I don't necessarily look at it as a threat that I need to be concerned about all the time. Like when I'm in its domain, when I'm on its court, I understand I could get fucked up pretty bad. I I feel that Mike, I I am not afraid of snakes. uh, But I understand that people like are like, you know, I understand there's a phobia, but anything in mass, like a stampede of anything, yeah, give me the fuck away. That is true. I didn't think about that. Numbers so often the direct effect. We're gonna have to have a debate the other uh, another day on the animal that alone is the most terrifying to encounter at a certain spot. Ooh. But Brandon, we've got to get to the third. Uh, Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. And it's something that I know you don't necessarily believe in, but it's central to our childhood and we have to talk about it. Barney the Dinosaur is making a comeback. Mattel announced Monday that Barney (sighs) was getting a reboot here. Uh, It's going to switch from live action to animation. Barney and Friends show is going to feature Barney. It aired on PBS from 1992 until 2010. I didn't realize... It went that long here, but this time around, yeah. it's going to be a new TV franchise, a film, and apparently uh, Alphabet content as well. They own uh, the parent company of Google that also owns YouTube, as well as music and a bunch of new merch. Brandon, were you a big Barney person growing up? Absolutely, Mike. Had the purple uh, VHS tapes and everything. Also, I don't know if you know, my my name is Brandon Jarrell Newman. Uh, BJ was something that my family called me a lot. So when I got a chance to see BJ there and Yellow Dinosaur, not as a, a actual blowjob that the kids joked about at, at school, I felt seen in a very real way. Um, and it's also about using your imagination. Like I, I was a I was a big fan uh, of Barney, but the animated Barney. I'm reserving. I'm reserving the right to to hate unless he comes out with a cereal. I'm reserving the right to hate. It is weird that one was named BJ and the other one was Baby Bop. There was a lot of weird connotation there. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't that, that's that may be a chicken and egg thing though. It's like f- maybe Bop wasn't even wasn't even called that until he, she was hanging around BJ. I do wonder <laughs> when Bop became Bop. That is a story for another day. Uh, but Brandon Mattel seems to be wanting to cash in on nostalgia. They're realizing, Hey, all of the kids that once watched Barney are now parents. And Brandon, from your standpoint, 
Would this make you more likely to introduce your kids to Barney? There's a lot of kids TV shows in the market, competitive marketplace right now. Does the nostalgia make you more likely to go back to the brand? Listen, Carter's been watching Barney for like Car- where Coco Melon failed in our household, Barney succeeded. Wow. And the things that were taught, the songs that were taught. I mean, honestly, it made me fall back in love with him because Barney was out here doing his damn thing. Like, he was connecting people. He was correcting people. The kids had bad days, and he let them ride that shit out. Like, like Barney was, like, the cool uncle that you don't, that no one suspect about. Like, I, I do think that there was some love there, but the real people was the touch, Mike. Like, Carter saw kids on playgrounds. Like, and then this stuffed animal turned into a big-ass stuffed animal. Like, that that's... It's going to be hard to replicate. I know. This feels like the collision course with Barney and an endless AI loop of computer-generated content about friendship. Ooh, Barney AI pictures. I'll be interested in that. I am not interested in that. That seems like the worst possible outcome of all of this. And please, no one at Gojo Show on Twitter tweet us AI-inspired Barney pictures. I will not like them, and I will not retweet them. Speaking of that, Mike, I don't know if you saw one of the Super Bowl commercials. 65 starring Adam Driver 65 million years ago they're making more dinosaur propaganda for the kids oh my god this shit again hey we're talking about Barney we are talking about oh and also one second last thing that song is beautiful at the end of Barney I love you you love me we're one happy family. family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Like that that shit hits every time. It does. It really does hit. I wonder if we have the potential for a remix maybe. Because Ooh. if there's one thing Barney's done well in the meantime, it's stayed alive in meme and gif culture. Even early internet culture. Do you remember when that video of Barney went viral where they dubbed Hit Him Up over Barney and friends singing out <laughs> at the playground? Absolutely. Like, between that and a lot of the other gif uses, Barney has stayed in, like... Not top of mind, but I would say middle of mind of internet culture enough to where it's going to have multi-use. Like, they're talking about making merch for adults, Brandon, and I feel like that is going to be ironically worn on a lot of college campuses sooner or later. We've already got kids wearing Nirvana t-shirts that sure as shit have no fucking clue who Nirvana is or anything about a lot of these bands. What's going to stop them from rocking some Barney merch here? Getting that to go viral on TikTok, this all seems like them playing the the long game here to try and recoup some lost revenue. Absolutely, Mike. We're talking about one powerful dinosaur with his little cousins and versus like Sesame Street, like a whole gang of people like like Barney out here like doing his thing solo dolo for real. That is true. Barney uh, slinging it out the trunk here. We need to figure out how to get in on the kids stuff game, because as you've seen, incredibly lucrative, incredibly easy to get into. You basically just need an animal, some sort of tie to either superheroes or law enforcement, and a few songs and dances, and you seem to be good to go. Buffalo Zoomies, Mike. I think we got we to oh, start there. Brandon. We got we to gotta start there. Buffalo Zoomies. Okay, this is our this is RIP. Everyone listening right now, mind your business. We have legal representation, and if we hear about Buffalo Zumi showing up anywhere else, I promise we will get litigious with the swiftness. Uh, My parents have lawyers. 
Our parents have lawyers, and we are not afraid to make them use them. Uh, if you are a proud supporter of this podcast, Buffalo Zoomies, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review, and make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.